Hey, this is the Mark Butler Show, episode 37. And a few days ago, I was talking to a client. We were in the budgeting process, and I was asking her how much we needed to budget this month for her virtual assistant. And that sparked a conversation about her virtual assistant. She's very happy with this person, and she told me a story about some amazing thing that she had done. And I agreed with her. I said, that's really, that's really above and beyond. She sounds, she sounds fantastic. And then my client said, yeah, you know, I really think that she's worth 100 bucks an hour. And I said, um, okay, I don't know if you're speaking metaphorically, but you know, we're never going to pay your virtual assistant a hundred bucks an hour, right? Not that I'm the boss. My clients, of course, they're the bosses of their business. But I said, if I'm your CFO and I have any vote, we're not going to pay uh, an administrator or an administrative person a hundred bucks an hour. And we talked about how, you know, a hundred dollars an hour is if you annualize it, if you turn it into a full-time person, a full-time income, that's a $200,000 salary. And I said, there's just really no scenario where a purely administrative person, in my mind, a purely administrative person gets paid $200,000 on an annualized rate. My client said, well, yeah, but she doesn't work full-time. And I said, no, but you have to consider if you value her time at $100 an hour, you're valuing her year at $200,000. Even if other people are also buying those $100 hours from her, you're saying that the work she's doing is worth $100 an hour. And she said, well, I think it's worth $100 an hour. And I said, well, that's the problem. It's, it's not your willingness to pay that really is the, is the only factor here. We have to consider what your alternatives are. Could we find someone who would do a reasonably similar job for significantly less than $100 per hour? And I said, the reality is in administrative positions, positions where there's, you know, paper shuffling and you know task completion and scheduling and not that these things aren't important and not that there's a big difference between the way one person does them and the way another person does them but the reality is when it comes to administrative positions there is a long 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 line of people who are willing to do that work for comparatively little money definitely less much less than $100 an hour an hour, $20 an hour, maybe $30 an hour. I told her that in in our world, in the coaching world, the highest paid administrator I'd ever heard of was a person who had given herself the fancy branding, the title of online business manager, which implies technical skills and and maybe some strategic insights and things like that. She was calling herself an online business manager and she was billing out at $85 per hour. That was the highest paid administrator I had come across in any uh, coaching business. So I said to my client, it's not about your willingness to pay. That is a factor. And maybe you want to be on the high side of what the market would pay this type of position, but it will never come close to $100 an hour because it doesn't need to, because there is this long line of people who are willing to do the work for much less money. And then she said, well, what if, what if I sort of groomed her and she was eventually able to work in my position in more of a revenue generating position? And I said, well, yeah, totally different story. If she were to be doing the fulfillment, you know, like actual coaching in your business, or if she were doing sales, totally different story. Because the line of people that are queued up requesting sales jobs and re- revenue generating jobs is much, much shorter than the line of people who are looking to do administrative work. And if you want to boil that down to its simplest reason, it comes down to fear of rejection. And 
and uncertainty. A salesperson wakes up on Monday and says to herself, I got to make it happen this week and I might not. And if I don't, then that's not fun. Or I might get rejected. I'm going to get rejected. For whatever reason, most people don't like that rejection. And so the line of people who are queuing up to do that type of work where there's a lot of uncertainty and rejection is much shorter. And because because a good salesperson is much harder to replace than a good administrator, salespeople tend to get paid much more. Salespeople are often the highest paid people in the company. So I said, if you want to groom her along and have her be, have her move into a position that's revenue generating, then of course, of course, she's going to make more money in that position. But I said, as long as she's doing work that we could definitely find someone else to do for much, much less money than what you perceive to be necessary, we're not going to pay her anything approaching $100 an hour. But you know, my client's not crazy. She's of course not stupid. She's a successful, dynamic business person who's who's creating an amazing business. It just happens that this was this is it just happens that this is her first significant hire. And this is where I see this pattern among business owners who make their first significant hire and why they almost always overpay that person. This is me included. Let me walk you through the psychology. As solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, whatever we want to call ourselves, we get to a certain point where there's enough demand for our product or service that we're starting to feel busy and we're starting to feel like there's more work to be done than there are hours to do it. And eventually we're trying to keep all the plates spinning and then some of the plates start to drop and they start to break and that does not feel good. So we've come through all of the stress and all the, the anxiety of starting a business, the fear of starting a business, and it has actually started to work. And then as it grows, it starts to feel like we're going to lose it because we didn't realize how much work it was to maintain a successful business. We thought all the work was in creating a business that had a little bit of traction And it turns out all the work is in maintaining and continuing to grow that successful business. Well, we got into the business because we have some sort of subject matter expertise and we have the ability to communicate it and we have the ability to sell it and then people start to want it from us. So it grows and now there are administrative tasks that we're not great at. We don't really want to do. And it feels like we got to get somebody to take some of these tasks away from us. And this applies to a wide variety of tasks, of course, but I have this story in my head. So I'm thinking of an administrator. When we decide it's time to hire someone, we're bringing our mindset, our current mindset, and our basic DNA as self-employed or entrepreneurial type people. So when we think about, I've got to find someone to do this work, and I've got to pay them enough that they're excited to do it, and if I don't get the right person, and if I don't keep the right person, my whole business is a risk. So I'm not going to be stingy. I'm willing to pay. So as we go out and we start talking to friends and family, and that usually ends up being where we hire our first people as friends and family. Maybe it's through Upwork or something similar like that. But we we tend to hire through a referral, a a friend or a family member, a niece or a nephew or whatever. And when we're deciding how much to pay that person, our entrepreneurial brain kicks in. And one of the things we say to ourselves is, well, I want to own a business. So probably everyone wants to own a business. No one really wants to have a job in the first place or be employed. So we don't, at a basic level, we don't really understand the mindset. We don't necessarily understand the DNA of that person who's willing to do administrative work for us for a wage. And because that idea is foreign to us, and maybe even we have an allergy to that idea, we tell ourselves, well, if they're going to even be willing to do this, I've got to pay them a lot. 
because I would never work for the amount of money that the typical administrator is going to get paid. So I've got to pay them more than that. So we start there by thinking that their mindset is is very similar to our mindset, which it sometimes might be. But in most cases, a person who's signing up for administrative work does not have our mindset. And it's not that their mindset is bad or wrong. It's just different. They have different priorities. They're less money motivated. They're less growth motivated. They get satisfaction from different things. And as a result, they're willing to work for less money. They're not driven by the big revenue goal, by the big income goal. But because we think that other people probably think like us, we tend to want to overpay. That's the first and maybe biggest reason we tend to overpay our first significant hire. The second reason is that we let ourselves get in a position of desperation and fear. And we tell ourselves, I've got to get this person. I've got to get them now. I've got to get them in a hurry. And they've got to save me from this administrative mess that I've gotten myself into in this rapidly growing business. So in the moment that we're in this sort of frenzy to find somebody to save us from ourselves, we tend to overpay. We tend to negotiate against ourselves, offer big numbers instead of saying, hey, you know, how much money do you need in order to feel like this is a good fit for you? Because that's the first rule of negotiation, right? You let the other person say the first number. You don't open with, you know, I think I'd like to pay you $40 an hour or $60 an hour. You open with, so what are you used to and, and how much do you feel like you need in order to make this a successful f- fit, a successful job for you? And then they open with their number and then you kind of find your way to, uh, to a good match. But that's the second big, big reason is that we, we let ourselves get in a position of desperation. And the solution to that is not necessarily to hire sooner The solution to that is to think about systems earlier. Now, here I'm speaking from experience because I've gone through this cycle in my business. I don't know. I think I mentioned this at some point in my podcast history, but a couple of years ago, I got myself in this position. The business grew rapidly. I was working 12 hours a day. And then in a moment of desperation, I kind of hired the first person that I talked to about coming to work with me. I didn't vet her properly. I, was in, I had not thought clearly about the process and about what a good hire would look like. And I also didn't think about the fact that there were really no, there were no systems in my place whatsoever to help her be successful once I hired her. It may be that some of these things are unavoidable. The whole point of this podcast is not to say that you absolutely shouldn't overpay your first significant hire or that you can't survive it. It's just pointing out why it might be happening. So if you're watching yourself do this, or if you've watched yourself do it in the past, just recognize that one of the reasons you overpay is because you don't have systems in place that make it possible to pay a more reasonable amount to the person who's going to execute those systems. In other words, you get yourself in a situation where you have to have a superhero. You're frantic. You're trying to do your work. You're trying to be in your area of expertise. I've heard it called your zone of genius. You're trying to be there. And you in a moment of sort of desperation and annoyance and fear, you want to just abdicate the rest. You want to just lob it over the wall to this new assistant you hired, this new administrator, and you want to tell her or him, you deal with it. Build us a system. Well, if you're going to pay someone else to build a system, you're going to pay them a lot. And if you're not participating in the creation of that system, you may end up with one that doesn't even work very well, one that doesn't really fulfill your vision of how the business will run. And then you've overpaid them relative to what the market probably would have, uh, would have charged 
you if you had done a little bit more work and been a little more patient. Not only have you overpaid them, but now you've ended up with work product that is it's not really that useful to you, except in the learning side of things. In other words, it's tuition. You're paying tuition. And tuition can be a great investment. The best case scenario here is that the person you lob all that work to, she does it or he does it. They do an amazing job of it. They build the systems. And all of a sudden, you look at him or her as the superhero. And now you have major loss aversion. You're really worried to lose that person. And you start to think things like, if she quits, I'm dead. I would not survive if she quit. The reality is if she quit, you would have a very painful few weeks, maybe even a painful few months, as you had to step back and say, my business was not set up to survive the loss of my superhero. And then you're at a fork in the road. You can either try to find another superhero, or you can recognize, I need to spend a certain percentage of my time each week documenting processes and designing my business so that it can handle turnover. I'm in the middle of this right now, and I will, I will admit to you that for me, mentally and emotionally, it is excruciating. I'm a chronic do-it-yourselfer. I'm a control freak perfectionist, and, and I'm not bragging about that. I, don't, I think that serves me in, in the smallest way and hurts me in a much bigger way. But I've hired a new assistant. He's doing a great job. I'd like to hire a couple of more for reasons I'll explain in another episode. But I'm finding myself documenting processes in my business right now and spending three and four hours documenting a process that takes me about 10 or 15 minutes a week. And the whole time I'm doing that, my brain is going crazy about how this is a waste of time and he's just going to quit anyway and people never last. And why would, I doc- why would I spend four hours documenting a process that only takes me 15 minutes? I'll just do it myself. So my brain's just on overdrive. But the reality is, if I don't document these processes, I can never remove myself from them. And then what happens if I get sick or if I want to go on vacation? I mean, this is all sort of systems 101, right? None of this is new. None of it's news to any of us. But I know that I'm not the only one struggling with these things. And if we don't put these systems in place, we only have two options. We either continue to do all this work ourselves or we have to overpay the superhero and then suffer the consequences when the superhero leaves because everyone leaves. No one's at a job forever, right? No one's there forever. So we have to start turning our business into a set of systems that makes it possible for the current person to leave and new people to arrive. And then we're never dependent on a superhero because not only is it painful when a superhero turns over when they leave, but superheroes are overpaid. What you will find, and I've even seen this in my business, and and I'm sort of the junior varsity, sort of C-minus level systems creator and and staffer, person who hires people, right? I'm, I'm going to learn it in 2018. But even I started out with my first assistants that I hired a couple of years ago. I started out paying them, I think, $30 an hour. My current assistant, I've hired him at $20 an hour. And I already have a plan for how to have a small squad of assistants that would probably work happily for $10 an hour. The goal is not to absolutely minimize the amount I'm paying out in wages or to be greedy or to hoard cash or anything like that. It's to find the sweet spot where the business is getting the work done that it needs done without overpaying relative to the value that that work delivers to the business. 
I'm looking for that equilibrium point where the person who's getting paid to do the work is happy with the work and happy with the amount of money they're being paid and where the business is happy to pay that amount of money and not suffering as a result. That's what we're looking for. And when we rely on a superhero, we can't get there. So that's it for today. Three big reasons that you overpay. I kind of snuck all three of those in there. The first one is, the first one is we have an entrepreneurial mindset, so we think everyone else does too. And we think that we have to pay people according to what we would be willing to work for. The second one is that we let ourselves slip into superhero complex and think that the person that we have is the only person that could ever do the work. And the third one is just a lack of systems. It's a lack of systems that allow us to lean on the system to get the work done instead of leaning on the person to get the work done. And then when that is the case, the system captures more of the value for the business and lets the business keep more of its cash so that less of it has to go to the person who's actually doing the work. Give that some thought as you consider the team you're already working with. Give that some thought as you think about making your first significant hires in your business. I hope it's useful to you and I will talk to you next weekend.